You're listening to the Experience Sikhi podcast, a deeper look into the Sikh identity. We present to you open, honest, and inspiring stories. No armor, pretense, or sugarcoating. Welcome to the Experience Sikhi podcast. I'm Dalraj Singh. We begin the podcast by acknowledging that we are meeting on Aboriginal land that has been inhabited by Indigenous peoples from the beginning. As settlers, we're grateful for the opportunity to meet here, and we thank all the generations of people who have taken care of this land for thousands of years. In particular, we acknowledge the traditional territory of the Anishinaabek and the Huron-Wendat. Also, just some reminders, if you like the podcast, please remember to comment, rate, and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Play. You can also send us questions and feedback at podcast at experienceitkey.com. Once again, that's podcast at experienceitkey.com. We have a very special episode today because we don't just have one guest, we have three. Our guests today are Gurjeevan Singh, Ganjit Singh, and Jasroop Singh. Gurjeevan Singh is a graduate from York's Human Rights and Equity Studies program with a minor in anthropology and also a graduate from Queen University's Queen's University's Faculty of Law. Jasroop Singh is a graduate from Ryerson's Criminal Justice Program with a minor in English and a graduate from University of Windsor's Faculty of Law. Ganjit Singh is a graduate from York's Political Science and Human Rights Program and also Durham College's Paralegal Studies Program. Together, they operate GS Broad Law, a law firm started just a few years ago, just before the COVID-19 pandemic, and they serve the Peel region. The focus of the firm is on estate planning, real estate, and civil litigation, and we'll hear more about their unique journeys into law and also how they run a business and a law firm, which started in Mississauga, but is now in Brampton, Ontario. So here is the GS Brar team. Thank you everyone for being here. This is the first, well, not the first time, but one of the very few times we've taken the podcast outside of our studio and into a physical location. Uh, so thank you for hosting us at your office. Can you all start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? So we'll start with you, Jeevan. Uh, yeah, so I'm a lawyer, <laughs> like uh, Laraja said. I'm also a new dad, have a 10-month-old son, and um, yeah, I just love the Toronto Maple Leafs sometimes, not all the time. Uh, I guess that's it for now, really. I have a passion for the law. That's why I'm a lawyer. I love, uh, uh, most importantly, I love I love our community. Uh, I love Brampton, lifelong Bramptonian, and uh, through whatever I do, I want to help see this uh, city and our city community grow. Yeah, so I'm a paralegal, uh, also a new dad. I've got a three-month-old that keeps me busy now. Um, you know, hobbies, you know, into you know, sports, so Leafs, Raptors, uh, martial arts, boxing. Just, you can find me watching that all the time. Love history. Yeah, and just keep myself busy with that stuff. It's a boxing encyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just Rook Singh, so yeah, I'm a lawyer as well. Um, I like everything sports, so I support Leeds United. Not many people may know them, but uh, they're in the Premier League, probably going to get relegated this year. Um, and uh, yeah, sports is my thing, I would say. I don't know what relegation means, but <laughs> sure, we'll go, we'll, we'll go with that. So we're going to start off by walking through. This is also a unique episode because all three of you are involved in the Experience of Key organization and have been involved for a number of years. So with Gurjeevan, you've, you've been engaged for quite some time. How did your involvement begin with the organization? And what has kept you connected this entire time? Because you went from undergrad to now being a business owner and a new dad while also being involved in this organization. Are you asking how Experience Aki started off? Yes. And how did you specifically join the organization, put it together? Well, it started off, it was, it was really a buildup in 2011, 2012. Um, at that time, it was just a collection of youth. They didn't really have a name. Um, and it started off uh, at that time. I had transferred to York University. I had met a lot of um, young Sikhs there, undergraduate students who were passionate about Sikhi, who wanted to see uh, the Sikh community prosper. We started doing a lot of events at York University. 
And through the work we were doing there, we realized that, you know, there was a lot, a lot of other youth in different universities across the province, um, you know, at uh, Waterloo Laurier, Ryerson, uh, McMaster, so on and so forth, who also in their individual schools were doing uh, a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and we said, why not, you know, start working together, start doing events at universities, uh, start sharing resources and so on amongst each other. One SSA may be good at something, an SSA is a six students association. And, uh, you know, another SSA may be good at something else. But if they work together, obviously, you know, you um, you patch up each other's shortcomings and you build on each other's strengths. So we started doing events under the banner of uh, Ontario SSAs. Uh, that was something that went on for a few months. Um, and that's, you know, surprisingly enough, with York SSA, um, it started off in the early 90s. <laughs> and back then, because they never had... Uh, you know, social media, they never had Facebook or Instagram, they never used to post pictures on the internet like that. So what the SSA used to do in the early 90s, and this continued into the well into the uh, early 2000s, is every year they would take pictures mm-hmm. uh, of the events that they did. Yeah. And uh, they would make photo albums. So being and, you know, somehow this album survived just, mm-hmm. you know, year after year, year after year. And here we were in 2012, 2013, and we came across these albums in the York SSA office to decide to look at them one day. And we said, you know, wow, all these amazing events related to uh, Sikhi, Sikhi Pajar, whether it's Langar Days or events related to 1984. <clears throat> there was an event that York SSA did in the early 90s with Cynthia Kefli Mahmood, which wow. we were very surprised uh, by. And uh, we said, you know, and so we were inspired by that. We mm-hmm. were inspired by what uh, six students at, at York University had done 20 years prior that we had no idea about yep. uh, because, you know, things hadn't been posted on the Internet and so on. Um, so inspired by that, we also saw that they had done a camp. Mm-hmm. And at that camp, we saw people, uh, there was pictures of the camp. Um, they did it uh, at, at the Mansfield uh, uh, campsite uh, in Brent. Sorry, it's about an hour drive from Brampton. Mm-hmm. And we saw a lot of leaders in our community, uh, uh, political leaders and leaders in other uh, walks of life, had attended that retreat. And we, wow. saw, we saw them, you know, in these in these pictures from the early 2000s attending this retreat. And we said, why don't we do one ourselves? Mm-hmm. So that's when the idea came about to do the six students camp in 2013, yep. uh, Canada Day long weekend. And uh, in the build up of that, it was just one thing after another. You know how... Uh, you know, when you're young, you're energetic, you have ideas and you want to act on them. And the, the idea there was leading up to the camp that why don't we, you know, we're already doing this camp now and we're, we have all these SSAs working together that why don't we merge together under one banner? Why don't we make it official? Yep. That's when the Sikh Youth Federation started off. And um, it continued that way, one event after another, uh, across Canada events, it grew into a uh, large and successful organization. And eventually, uh, it outgrew its original mandate, which which was to serve Sikh youth, yeah. the predominantly undergraduate students. Uh, it was doing events like family camps uh, where parents and grandparents were attending. It was uh, hosting Gurmukhi Sikhi classes for children. Mm-hmm. He said, because it's not just focused on uh, undergraduate students now, it's not just focused on SSAs now, that you know we need to take this a step further. We did a rebrand into Experience Sikhi in 2018, yep. and that's what brings us uh, today. The rest is uh, rest is history, and uh, you can see it on our Instagram account. <laughs> so we we know that you were involved from the inception of SYF, now ES. Were you always someone who was interested in Sikhi, or did your introduction to Sikhi come later in life? For example, did you grow up in an Amritdhari family, or is it something you discovered on your own? Um. I didn't grow up in an Amritari family, but I grew up in a family that respected Sikhi, <laughs> you know, so uh, both uh, my mom and dad, they respected Sikhi. Uh, my mom in particular made a lot of effort when we were younger uh, to engage us with Sikhi. So, for example, the, um, she would register us for Gurmat camps that used to take place at Dixie Gurdwara. Yes. And again, <clears throat> it was uh, it was older at, at that time, at least. Uh, this is the early 2000s, late 90s. Um, a lot of six students who were in university at the time, uh, while I was still uh, elementary school age, you know, uh, you know, child, uh, you can say, and uh, they they used to run the workshops and so on. So yeah. it was very cool um, as a um, you know young six to see these 
these older kids, you know, yeah. people I thought were really cool. Mm-hmm. Running these camps, running these workshops, I was inspired by them. Um, they used to translate the Hukumanama and everything like that. So that was inspiring. Then also being taken to a tabla class by my mom. Um, every Friday at Exigortara, there was the Gurmat classes. Yep. Many people who grew up in the uh, 90s and early 2000s would be familiar with that. So all of those played a big role in shaping me into who I am. And uh, quite frankly, the uh, our Shaheeds, uh, the history of our Shaheeds played a big role um, in me never wanting to drift away from Sikhi. <laughs> so I didn't, I, I became Amritari um, as an undergraduate student in 2013, I believe, 2012 or 13, uh, one of those years. And um, but what led me to that uh, uh, is reading about our Puratan Shahids, or you know, whether that's Baba Deep Singhji, Paitaru Singhji, but also about our more recent Shahids in our history. Mm-hmm. Uh, there used to be a website, neverforget84.com, and I remember being in high school in my computer class, you know, when you would finish work early, you didn't have much work that day, just being on the computer and reading about uh, our Shahids mm-hmm. um, from the present day uh, era, very recent history. So that was very inspiring and moving for me. And, um, you know, for me, uh, the internet, uh, YouTube websites and you know uh, websites like neverforget84.com mm-hmm. brought me onto the path of Sikhi, and then you know then being getting involved with Sikh organizations, uh, I think being involved in the community as much as possible is always helpful. So mm-hmm. um, first, uh, you know, involved with the with my SSA, uh, I also had an opportunity to be involved. It's an um, organization doesn't exist anymore, but the Sikh Activist Network. I was involved with them for a few years and then with the Sikh Youth Federation, which eventually mm-hmm. became Experience Sikhi. Just the Sangha that you get from these places, mm-hmm. the inspiration you get from other people around you. And through Experience Sikhi, for example, I got to meet people like uh, Gani Sher Sanji, uh, mm-hmm. Gani Pagwan Sanji, or Gani Gardev Sanji from the UK, who was one of the students of uh, Santagurbatan Sanji. Mm-hmm. And just seeing these uh, Gorsaks and the way they carry themselves, uh, the way they live their lives, um, it's a carries a huge influence and it it really works wonders in helping you and saving you from drifting away from what your core values are as a Sikh. Mm-hmm. Right. So, interesting. Kanjit, you had um, a similar journey, but not so similar journey, as in you were taking those big steps into Sikhi during your undergraduate years. So, when did your journey begin and how did you come to the decision to first keep your case and then take Amrit in a fairly short amount of time. I wouldn't necessarily cho- say it's short, but it has, uh, for me, similar to Gajivan, like no one in my family was Amritari. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the same time, you know, there was a lot of Sharda, there was a lot of like Prem towards Sikhi mm-hmm. and, and Guru Gars and the Gurus. And for me, the base or the foundation was always, you know, set up with my mom, like, you know, teaching me about very Sakis, about Shahid things, like especially Shota Sahib That was kind of stuck with me. Even though, like, you know, Sikhi wasn't always at the forefront in terms of being around Mataris or, um, you know, people with some sort of jivani. And uh, for me, I would say then, you know, growing up in high school, there was a bit of a drift. Mm-hmm. Again, because you don't have that Sangat. And that's key to anybody's life. And uh, 2008, when I went to Punjab, you know, going to the Bar Sahib, going to the various Astans, Gurukars. That was key. Like just having the experiences there kind of made me realize that, you know, there's more to Sikhi than just going to the Gordramatha taking having mm-hmm. a prashad and Langar going home. Yeah. And that kind of kick started it, you know. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say it was a, a quick process or a fairly fast process. Because two thousand and eight was when I started getting into things, you know, trying to learn about the history, okay, what is there to Sikhi? Um, really on my own because I didn't really have the exposure to Sangat or, you know, Gorma programs or, you know, anybody. Mm-hmm. And uh it wasn't until, you know, I joined York University in 2011 and, uh, you know, like even starting off in the SSAs and uh, New York SSAs, you know, meeting, you know, and developing a Sangat and getting involved in, you know, what was SYF and LZS that, you know, you got exposed to other things like, you know, uh, Sampradayic traditions. And then from there, you know, meeting scholars, go to six, like Ganesha Singhji mm-hmm. um, and various other, you know, um, high profile individuals that used to come out to our programs. And from there, you know, asking questions, inquiring and learning, and then finally taking that, sto- uh, you know, step towards uh, taking Amrit. Interesting. I, I want to touch upon asking questions. Um, what's the difference between asking a question from a point of shanka or doubt versus asking a question from a point of learning? 
Why is it important to distinguish between the two? I think it's key because with, you know, Shankar doubt, you know, your aim is always to disprove mm-hmm. or to put down uh, whatever it is that you don't believe in. Yeah. Whereas, you know, coming with pure intentions, there's an element of love in there. Mm-hmm. Because a person has a you know a sense of love for you know Sikhi, gurus, uh, uh, mahapurks, uh, shahids, you want you have the itch to learn more. Mm-hmm. And because you have the itch to more learn, you have that drive. With that drive, there's so much more that you can you know expose yourself to, yeah. in terms of uh, you know finding out you know more than what you typically are told in your everyday settings. So with that, like for me, it's always been a drive to just you know constantly absorb and learn as much as I can. Because again, for me, I didn't have anybody, especially in the early years. Yeah. So you know, internet, like you're even saying, was a was a big, big thing for me. You know, uh, you know, any kind of katha that I could find, any um, you know, old text, grunts, whatever I could find, I get a hold on. Especially in the early days, you know, I just you know took that. And if there was any person that I can speak to, um, you know, that was key as well for me. Like uh, the final step in terms of taking Amrit, for me, there was always this kind of sense of doubt. I think a lot of people can relate to that too. It's like, you know, am I even like worthy to take Amrath or mm-hmm. am I, you know, have I reached that point where, you know, it makes sense for me to take it? And it wasn't until, uh, you know, the Sikh youth camps that, yeah. you know, that decision was made. And Pai uh, Sukhasang was, you know, one of the speakers at camp. And his whole thing was, you know, about taking, you know, Hokam Name and, you know, you could speak with the Guru Sahib directly. Yep. And that's always been a key thing. And I think people overlook it. Uh, yeah, we do believe in Guru Granth Sahib Ji as our Guru. But at the end of the day, we kind of forget that, you know, Guru Sahib is living and breathing. We can speak mm-hmm. to Guru Sahib. And he suggested, he's like, if you have this, you know, Shankar confusion, let the Guru decide for you. And yeah. I was like, that's a fair, uh, you know, that's a fair point. So we went into the Dvar, and I remember no one else was there at that time. We both went into the Dvar. Yeah. And he's like, do you want to do uh, Ardas or should I do Ardas? And I said, no, you know what, I'll do it. Because I knew what was going on inside my head. So I'm like, you know, I'll just ask it the way I need to. Yeah. I did the Irdas. We sat in Tabia and he took the Hokanoma and then it was clear as day that, you know, yeah. you know, he should take this next step. And then that's when uh, the decision was made. Jasrup Singh, you have um, a, a very different story because you're not born and raised here, uh, as many listeners may have guessed <laughs> when they heard your accent for the first time. Um, so you're not familiar with, let's say, the Dixie, Gurdwara, Gurmuth classes, etc., so what impact did essentially uprooting your life and losing Sangat in the UK have on your Sikhi when you moved to Canada? And how did you cope with it? How did you strengthen your roots once you made this move? Yeah, I think my trajectory was a little bit different. Um, so I was always in an Amritari family. Um, my parents are both Amritari and so are my grandparents. Um, but for me, because I came from a small town in England, it's a small town, Bedford, and in that small town, because pretty much every Sikh family in, in that town would know each other. Mm-hmm. So there would be nobody, like when we came to Ontario, it was vastly different. Everybody here, there's so many um, Sikh individuals in Brampton or in Mississauga that uh, you don't know everybody. Whereas in in Bedford, I had a lot of responsibility in that regard because I knew that if I didn't do it, there was no one else to do it. So from an early age, first I would learn tabla um, and I would go to Sikhi classes. We would have weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Before that, my parents would give me a lot of Sikhi, especially my dad would give me a lot of um, stories before I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So learning about Shaheeds and stuff, I learned that at a very early age. And I think those stories are what stuck with me. Um, and then seeing seeing the love that uh, the community had, because again, like I said, everybody had a part to play. Uh, there was nothing that if you missed, it wasn't going to happen. So for Nishan Saib Seva, we never ever missed Nishan Saib Seva. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would happen twice a year. And then Nagitans, we would be at the forefront because we would have to. So, you know, doing Maharaj Seva, doing anything, any Seva, Langardi Seva. If we didn't watch Pandey, we felt like nobody else would. Obviously, that wasn't the case. There's still other people. Um, but, we, but you know, doing that Seva, we felt, Ja, we felt like a, a, a sense of belonging too, um, that we have to take on this responsibility because it's our duty. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the difference when I came to Canada, I, I think I kind of got a little bit more relaxed at the beginning because I realized that if I don't do it, there's a thousand people that were ready yeah. to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, I had to kind of challenge myself to continue doing what I was doing in England. Again, it wasn't much, um, but it was for me something that I could do. For example, when I go to the local Godot, I knew exactly what my part was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to find that here. 
um, because I didn't realize right off the bat where I would fit in. Um, And I think that's something that I had to manage at the beginning and try to find what Sangat I would do well in and what my role was here now, um, Mm -hmm. you know, doing a new role uh, in a larger city with a larger sect population. So I think that was a a big difference that I had to uh, get accustomed to. One question I'm going to put out there is because Ganjiti mentioned uh, Sampadas and not a lot of Sikh youth are familiar with the term Sampada Eksiki. So I'm just going to put this on the table. What does Sampada Eksiki mean to you? Why is it important to be engaged in Sampadama and the Vidya that they, they teach and the history that they have? Yeah, Questions so open for anyone. For anyone? Yeah, for me, Sampada Eksiki is... Um, the way I understand it, uh, what it means to me personally, is our Sina Basina traditions that have been passed on from the times of our gurus, from Guru Nanak Dev Ji's time. Um, n- not everything is written down with pen and paper. Mm-hmm. If we rely solely on, on things that are written uh, on paper, we miss a lot. So there are many Sikh traditions, uh, whether traditions, uh, maryadas, uh, just a way to carry carry yourself in day-to-day life, understanding of Gurbani, Ars of Gurbani, um, that were not written down and that are passed from one teacher to the other, mm-hmm. right? Uh, for example, um, Guru Gobind Singh Ji taught Baba Deep Singh Ji and Pai Mani Singh Ji. Yep. But they both taught others. Mm-hmm. They then taught others and so on. Those traditions, <clears throat> they are a, that's, that's a wealth of knowledge and um, many times um, the I have found that the arts or the explanations that our Sampradama can give um, can't be found in texts, mm-hmm. right? Or even if they can be found in texts, they can't be fully understood yep. without an astad who has that type of background. So, for example, when you're learning from somebody like, um, let's say somebody who's come to town like... Uh, or, or the best example would be uh, Pak Vijaswan Singhdi. Mm-hmm. You go to Pak Vijaswan Singhdi, um, they've learned directly from Sant Guru Bhajan Singhdi. Yep. And Sant Guru Bhajan Singhdi learned directly from Sant Sundra Singhdi. Mm-hmm. You won't get that anywhere else. Yep. All right? Not everything that Sant Guru Bhajan Singhdi taught to Pak Vijaswan Singhdi was written down. Mm-hmm. A lot of that was a experience that was passed on, teachings that were passed on, yep. that are then passed on to whoever is now uh, this one Sindhi student. So that's what Sampadai Sikhi is for me. For me, you know, uh, uh, every, you know, all our Jathya you know, it's all beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, we're a panth, we, we all, at the end of the day, um, may sound corny, but we're one panth, right? <laughs> right? But uh, from, and, and people may get many things from different, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whoever you uh, first engaged with when you were coming into Sikhi and so on. But for me, um, it was all about when I first got into Sikhi, um, learning about our Shaheeds and learning about our Shaheeds brought me to Santinal Singhji. And when I learned about Santinal Singhji, and I learned that a lot of what they uh, talk about and a lot of the Sikhi that they practiced was also passed down Sinab Sina. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they learned from Sankartar Singhji or, you know, they learned from uh, Sudhiji, yeah. uh, who before them learned from Santagrapatan Singhji and mm-hmm. so on. So uh, that that's what that's what it is to me. And I feel that people, uh, Sampradai traditions have passed on. They've inspired Gursiks greatly. And the Gursiks that have been inspired by Sampradai traditions have gone on to do great things for the Panth. And uh, our Sampradaya traditions are not just restricted to, you know, our Sampradama, mm-hmm. but you find our Sampradaya traditions spread across all Sikh Jathibandhi. Yeah. Right? So regardless of what Jathibandhi you're with, it's likely that there is some Sinabasina tradition mm-hmm. um, that is passed on to your Jathibandhi. Yep. Right? Even if you don't in the present recognize it as such. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And knowing that and knowing how valuable it was in your development of your Sikhi, this is for both Kanjit and Gajiv, and as parents now, how do you plan on raising the next generation of Sikhs? How does this information and knowledge that you have play a part in developing your child? I think it's going to be very crucial, especially where we are now as a as a Pandora society. Because for us, you know, we're first-generation Canadians. Mm-hmm. Our parents are from Punjab. They still have a connection to Punjab. They still, you know, bring with them the, the traditions and the sikhya that they got, you know, from Punjab. Mm-hmm. And with that, a lot of, like, you know, traditional 
upbringing that typically you don't get in Western societies or Canada. Yep. For now, now for us, we're in a unique situation because not only are we first generation Canadians, right? We we're we've been brought up in the Western society, in Western culture, but we still have some sort of connection to the traditions of Punjab or Sikh traditions. So what we got to do now is we got to find a way in which, you know, our kids are going to be going out into the world and we can give them a unique perspective because we're the first generation now that can tell them how it was like going through the school system, how it was like living in society in, you know, Ontario or Canada or North America, for example, which our parents couldn't do. So we can level with them in that aspect. But at the same time, for us, you know, even though we say we have a love for Sikhi and uh, Punjab and Punjabi tradition and all that, and we like to speak in English, right? Mm-hmm. It's always we're comfortable speaking English. How is it that we're gonna, you know, uphold uh, things like you know speaking to our kids in Punjabi? Yeah, you know, not just saying that you know Gurbani is important, Gurmukhi is important in the aspect of, um, you know, doing your part and your nickname and all that, but you know, in everyday scenarios. They gotta understand, you know, the context of Gurbani, and a lot of the stuff that's mentioned in Gurbani about, you know, lifestyles or references to life in Punjab, they're not gonna understand it because they've never lived it. Mm-hmm. For us, we haven't lived it either. But at the same time, we've at least gone back to Punjab and seen, um, you know, especially in the '90s or early yeah. 2000s, how some of the older lifestyle was, mm-hmm. which you know, even in Punjab, that's changed as well. Yep. So. For us, we had a reference point. They're not going to have that anymore. Mm-hmm. So we got to make sure that we at least, you know, take what we learned and make sure we pass that down to the next generation as well. And when it comes to some of teachings, yeah, like in terms of, you know, making sure they learn that as well. Because now I feel there's a lot of influence and um, importance put on Western scholars or Western sources. But we forget how rich Sikh Atiyas is in terms of what Pratim grants we have, what grants we have from the Sampardaik traditions. And, um, you know, if we make sure that that becomes like the key source of knowledge for them, then that can stick stick along, stick with them and carry them along for the rest of their lives. And, you know, hopefully that gets passed down to their children down the road as well. Gajivan, are you someone... Uh, this was mentioned in one of our episodes yesterday about forcing Sikhi onto a child versus positively influencing. Mm-hmm. How does that look in your household when you're trying to pass it down to what's now a baby, but will eventually turn into it? Yeah, I was going to say he's 10 months <laughs> now. He just, he just babbles. <laughs> well, look, um, for me, it's not forcing. Um, for me, it's doing your duty as a uh, as a Sikh parent. Um it's my duty as a Sikh parent to teach Sikhi to my child, right? Mm-hmm. To teach them about uh, uh, him, about our traditions, uh, teach him about Guru Granth Sahib Ji, introduce him to teachers who can teach him things that I'm not comfortable teaching or I don't have the knowledge to teach. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, Gurbani Santhya or Kirtan or Gatka, so on and so forth. And, um, you know, that's that's my jumevani. I wouldn't call that forcing. Um, you know, sometimes I feel like we take the term forcing too far. What does that really mean? Yeah. Does not forcing him mean I don't tie uh, the slot on him as a child, mm-hmm. right? Is that forcing him? No, right. That's me. I feel uh, doing my carrying out the my God-given responsibility. God gave me this child. I'm a Sikh. It's my duty to teach this child about Sikh traditions, Sikh values. But what he does now, when he grows up, I can't control that. Yeah. Uh, you can only really influence a child uh, as a parent, I believe. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll have more to tell you in ten, fifteen years. Yeah. But based on just myself growing up, up until the age of twelve, thirteen, possibly fourteen, yep. um, your parents can control your day to day. After that, you know, especially once you enter high school, you're more independent. You have yep. your friends, you have your, you know, your cell phone, you know, your social media accounts and everything like that. And you, for a period of time, you, you drift a bit, mm-hmm. um, you know, from that uh, circle, that influence that your parents had over you. Yeah. What happens then? It's uh, my hope and desire, um, as I'm sure is for every other sick parent, <clears throat> that the teachings that I am able to give to my son, um, in his first, you know, 10 to 15 years of life will then carry with him and assist him 
uh, when I'm no longer there to um, influence his every action. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's uh, that. You know, it's, it's to me that's that's what it is. It's just a jumevari. It's all done with love. Um, again, I'm not. Uh, you know, we're not yelling at a child or disrespecting a child, making a child feel uncomfortable, making mm -hmm. them do things that they don't want to do in the moment. Obviously, everything is taught with love and fear. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's, look if, if you if you bully someone into something, they're not going to fall in love with it. Yeah. All right. So obviously, we don't bully our child, but we teach them with blame. We teach them with love. Mm -hmm. uh, when you have to be stern as a parent, you have to be stern as a parent. Yep. Um, but even being stern at times is just part of your mm -hmm. Um yeah. Like for example, I'll give you. You know, as long as he's, uh, as long as my child is my responsibility. Yep. As long as he's a child, um, I'm not going to cut his case. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm not going to allow any of that. Yep. Now, my ardas is that he never does cut his case. Mm -hmm. But if something were to happen when he's 30 years old, yep. that's not something I can control anymore. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's the the love that I give him now. The the what I teach him now is uh, the sangat that I give him now and the friends I help him make now. Yep. Um, that's what I hope will carry with him in the future. All three of you have social justice-oriented undergraduate backgrounds. Um, and as now legal professionals, just Rup saying, I'm going to start with you. What do you feel like is your duty to the fund? And I ask this because it's not always the work you do at a firm that um, reinforces what you feel like is your duty. It's the expertise you may have. It's what might be inspired by the fact that you learned law. So again, what do you feel like is your duty to the fund as a legal professional? Yeah, I think in the legal world, uh, our duty is to try to help people who can't afford legal services. I think that's mm -hmm. one big thing that we try to strive towards doing, uh, and that's to make sure that nobody goes without. Um, but aside from that, I think our responsibility is to share that knowledge and to help new professionals come into this field. Mm -hmm. uh, so whether that's in law, if we can help them directly that way, then we, that's what we should do. So for example, I know, um, you know, the experience that we have tried to do LSAT studies, yeah. um, just something that we can encourage people to make it easier for the next generation. Mm -hmm. Because for me, I had Gurdjieff, to be honest, yeah. and, and Gurdjieff was able to anchor my lifestyle and my um, Sikhi with my professional life. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if I can do at least a little bit of that for the next generation, they only stand to benefit because they don't need to struggle the same way we did. Um, and I didn't need to struggle the same way Gurdjieff did just because I've got some of that uh, going forwards. Mm -hmm. Even when I was at Windsor, there was two things that were older than me. Yep. Uh, and on the first day, I remember they didn't ask my name. They didn't ask, you know, who I was. They just said, get your laptop out. I yep. said, okay. And as soon as I did, they gave me all the notes that they had been passed down. Mm -hmm. And that was just something that they wanted to do to give me an easier life yeah. um, because they knew they didn't have them. Uh, and then when they did receive them, they wanted somebody else to benefit from that as well. Mm -hmm. um, and all I could do was do that again. So when I was in second year, I reached out to the things or the, the Punjabi individuals that I could see um, who may need that uh, support and guidance as well. Yeah. And I tried to do the same thing. And I think just that carrying it forward perspective, it just helps new people come into uh, the field, mm -hmm. helps them grow uh, with their education and allows them to see and, uh, you know, an older person that they can go to for support. Yeah. Um, I think that's key because that's that's the way we build Sangat as well. So we don't forget um, what our passion is mm -hmm. and uh, we can work towards bringing Sikhi into our professional life as well by helping people come into that and giving them more um, you know responsibilities yep. so that they're able to reach higher positions i'm glad you brought up mentorship and we're going to get into professional mentorship but before that along your individual journeys into Sikhi, were there any role models that inspired you um both karanjit and gurjim or all three of you have mentioned shahid sings but anyone currently in your life that has inspired you along this path or helped you make strides forward so karanjit i'll start with you for me um i think it was uh, my mama Reason being was he was a young guy, born in Punjab, but came to Canada, um, cut his case and all that. But he passed away fairly young. But in his twenties, got back into Sikhi, and uh, you know, really changed the Jeevan quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And with that, you know, even though it wasn't at that moment, it clicked later on in my life. But it showed me at least how practical Sikhi can be in Canada. And as a youngster, mm -hmm. so, you know, I emulated a lot of what he 
you know, did in terms of his daily life and took a lot, you know, of his teachings. Again, not something that I took at that moment, but later on, a few years later, and just try to apply that. And for me, it's always been, okay, how did he, you know, prepare himself for his everyday life? Yeah. How did he um, prepare, you know, his mind in terms of his outlook? Yeah. How did he prepare himself in terms of his everyday interactions? So with that, it helped me a lot in terms of, especially when I was, wasn't in Sikhi yet, but also when I got into Sikhi as well. And then even now, um, you know, when I'm dealing with clients, when I'm dealing with, you know, individuals from our, our community, from Sangat, in terms of, you know, assisting them or helping them, keeping that kind of mindset where, you know, not every interaction has to be transactional, mm-hmm. right? You know, there there could be, you know, someone that comes to us, um, you know, that maybe you know a situation where we can't really help them but i i see it now whereas you know in terms of es or our local gta sangat especially through um the database we have such a large network now Mm -hmm. and we can use that you know in, in so many great ways where you know if a person needs help whether they're young or old they have so many different resources or networks you know people in our network now that they can go to and get the assistance they need they don't have to go to anybody else outside of our community yeah. all the help all the assistance uh, all the resources that they need are within our community now mm-hmm. good evening any role models um you know what it is right with es starting in you know 2013 and then there's so many people that i've gotten to know since then mm-hmm. there are some people who have been involved with experience the key previously syf since its uh origins yeah. right and uh just seeing those people grow from relatively carefree undergraduate students uh high school students to now uh you know, responsible uh, adults that, you know, they're responsible now for mortgage payments and everything like that, <laughs> right? Um, and seeing how they're still so passionate about, they haven't let that passion go. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you can say when you're an undergraduate student, uh, you have a lot more time. At that time, you think you're really busy, but you realize when you're growing up, uh, you know, that you did have a lot of time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but now that uh, these individuals, they're now parents themselves, and they have uh, their jobs, their careers, their businesses, uh, but they still give, uh, you know, they dedicate, it's almost like a, a second full-time job. That's how much time they dedicate to experience the key. So I would say um, I will find all of them to be uh, inspirations in my life. And what helps uh, me, uh, it helps keep me going as well. Yeah. Uh, you asked in the beginning, you know, what has kept me involved with experience the key since the beginning? One, just one example, and this is one of many, is by uh, Jagrad Singh from Basics of Sikhi. We met him in 2013 after we did the six students camp in, uh, in Canada a long weekend. He came to Canada in August. Yeah. And um, to the best of my knowledge, that was his first trip to Ontario. At that time, Basic of Sikhi was very young as an organization as well. It had just gotten started, I believe, in 2012. Mm-hmm. So this was his first, uh, just his first year um, as, a, uh, as an organization and as a Pratarak. And seeing him, how passionate he was about his uh about Sikhi. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a very smart, very capable individual. Uh, if he had gone into business, become an entrepreneur, uh, he could have made, in my view, he could have made whatever amount of money he set out to make. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, he dedicated his life to Sikhi. I remember uh, traveling with him at that time, doing uh, street prachar, recording videos. You can still see a lot of these videos online where he's recording at Niagara Falls or by the CN Tower and so on. Mm-hmm. And in the evening, we would rush back you know, he would quickly, you know, freshen up, change into his Kurta Pajama, and then he would set up his own camera and uh, at Dixie Kurtara, yeah. right? We'd record the Katha, and we'd, right, sorry, I hit the mic, <laughs> right? Then he'd come back, uh, and the next day, they would, uh, he would uh, be sitting there um, in his room editing his own videos to post on. So that level of dedication and commitment that I saw to the Pant, it, it's really stuck with me. In the moment, you don't appreciate it as much, but when he passed away and just thinking back to how much um, he gave to Sikhi um, or, you know, the this next generation of, of Parjar, that's, uh, that, that will always uh, stay with me. He will be a big inspiration, somebody who I always look up to for the rest of my life. Jisoo? Uh, yeah, like Karanjit, my inspiration, I would say, is also comes from my mamaji as well. Um, my mamaji is also a lawyer. 
So I've been able to see how he balances his law work with his Sikhi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the biggest things I admire is his discipline. Um, I've seen, you know, when he's at a Goddara, he's just an armed person. He doesn't think that he's a, of a high reputation or a high level or anything like that. Yeah. He, he has a lot of nimrata, uh, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of times in my life where I, I didn't know what to do or uh, didn't know what action to take. Or even when I think I'm too settled, maybe I'm comfortable. Yeah. Uh, and he would always challenge me for the next step. Uh, and that, that's as soon as I was a kid, I, I had that. Uh, I remember one time I thought I had Japanese side memorized yeah. and uh, he would test me. I didn't really know what Santia was. Again, it was a small town. We didn't have exposure to a lot of different things. Yeah. And uh, that's the first Santia lesson you could say I had is mm-hmm. when I was driving in the car with Mamaji and he was testing me and I, I couldn't get my Rada and Arada right. And I still probably can't, right? <laughs> and uh, th- that was one of the first Santia lessons I got. Yeah. And um so I was like, uh, you know, I, I take inspiration from that. And, and I see the way that he's very dedicated to his Sikhi too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he will always challenge me. So if I'm reading X amount of Barney, he'll be like, you know, how are you going to increase this now? Or yeah. what's your next step? You know, just to make sure that you always know there's another step, right? Yeah. Because you can't be too comfortable in your life. Um, and I and I see that uh, with with his legal work too, uh, and the way that he's given back without asking for praise or without asking for recognition, yeah. and a lot of that goes amiss as well. Um, many people don't know what he does, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, just seeing his you know everyday Rani Benny, just seeing the way he conducts himself, that that's been a huge inspiration to me. And uh, obviously, again, I know you said current, but uh, Shahid Singh's stories do stick with me too. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I've been encouraged from early age to read Saki's. Uh, I like stories. I don't really like, uh, you know, knowledge-based, like just learning like art, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm getting into that. I feel like that is a lot a lot of a benefit to me. Yeah. Um, but at that time or even before, I used to like stories. So mm-hmm. reading about Shahid Singhs and reading their lifestyle and uh, like, for example, reading about Pai Nok Singhji, yeah. the amount of Bani they would read. Or even Santaji, I think Santaji is a huge one, um, and just seeing their dedication to Sikhi, knowing that they could have easily done anything else in their life, but they mm-hmm. devoted their entire life to Sikhi. They gave up everything for Sikhi. It's mm-hmm. like, how can we at least try to respect that, or at least try to live up to some degree to that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the biggest thing is to work on your work on yourself, uh, whether that's increasing Bani or doing more Seva or Simran, mm-hmm. um, but always reflecting. You know, like Sankarta Singh, I think in the letter to Bayam Reeks, and he always says to reflect on your deeds uh, before you go to sleep. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important. Uh, it's not to dwell on the bad things you've done, but it's to try to see what can you improve for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, like even changing one gun, I know Santaji says, is uh, uh, per year even, is yeah. still improving. Yeah. Um, so you always got to think about, you know, how can I change or how can I improve? Um, and try to live up to secure. Speaking of improvement, um, the three of you grew up in an era that's very different from what you throw up in now, whether it be uh, the camps that are available, the resources. All of us have a cell phone now, for example. Santa's online. Um, do you see any gaps within sick youth that you feel should be addressed? And if you've identified any, how can they be filled? And by gaps, for example, some believe that there's a lack of prem and shardana because technology has taken over. And there's a trend that Sikhi is now, um, Sikhi now gets to social media attention, for example. And because of that, a lot of the genuine nature of the love that used to exist in our parents or in your generation has dwindled away. So any type of gaps that you would want to see filled and you feel like can improve the direction of the Sikhi. Look, look for me right it's every generation of six will have their own challenges mm-hmm. you know yeah so the six growing up now the you know, kids that are you know just born in the last few years or teenagers now they have their set of challenges and uh we had our own mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's um so sometimes we shouldn't talk in the sense that you know we, things were better than uh, things like that i feel like yeah. every generation when they go up, they'll say, oh, it, w- it was better than everybody has that uh, mm-hmm. nostalgia and everything. I think a piece of advice that applies to everybody and um, it is having respect and being humble and recognizing that you don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I think now the biggest challenge that youth feel now is that they have so much available on the internet. Yes, so GoodMuthVichar.com. You can listen to thousands, tens of thousands of hours of Katha mm-hmm. from the best and most knowledgeable people uh, in the world. Yep. Right? Um, but how many of us have listened to 
even a few hours of it. Yep. You know, that, you know, things like that. We have um, grant upon grant uh, scanned and available online mm-hmm. on gurmudvijar.com, on Punjab Digital Library and so on. How many of us take advantage of that? Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> and I think, you know, a big challenge now is that there's so much available that it, you have to be careful of how it's presented to you and what you're consuming. Because it just creates shanke uh, in your mind and so on. Yep. You know, it's uh, um, you're reading all these passages taken from all kinds of different grants. Uh, they're put in front of you on Twitter. They sound really cool. Person posting them is getting a lot of likes and retweets. Yep. But do you really understand the context? Mm-hmm. You know, do you really understand? Do you have somebody there to explain it to you? Or are you just relying on some English translation and so on? That's um, who who has done who has who has done the translation? What's their background? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a passage out of a grant that could be hundreds or thousands of pages long. What role does this pankti play in the in the entire context of that grant mm-hmm. or that particular chapter or that particular sakhi in that grant? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. Uh, in the past, that was uh, I believe that was less of a challenge, because you 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 didn't just have all the, you didn't have Twitter, you didn't have Instagram, yeah. you never had these things just selectively presented to you. Yeah. You more you went to the to the gardora and you heard the kathavatik and mm-hmm. the kathavatik would explain it, which also had its own challenges, right? Yeah. You were now relying on somebody, you had a gatekeeper of knowledge in, mm-hmm. in one sense. Um, but I, yeah, I, I would just my my thing is have respect, and what I mean by respect is that there's a lot of um, people out there that have dedicated their lives to Sikhi, have dedicated their lives to getting Vidya, um, have respect for them. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's how the next generation is truly going to understand uh, our, our history, our traditions, our grunts, and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, be humble about it. Just because you have an internet connection, it doesn't mean that you know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel that I get the perception sometimes online on social media where people feel that they know everything or they come across that way you know and what do you truly know yeah. you know have you have you gotten your santhya done yet um and uh, you know it comes and being humble sikhi you know a lot of things can be thought of as like a curriculum mm-hmm. you know i see now we want to and again this issue existed in the past too it's not a new issue but for example we want to jump into debates can yeah. sex eat meat is chatka okay you know things like that right but my question is that, have you even found an astad yet uh, from whom you've done Jabji Sab Santhya? Mm-hmm. You know? And those types of issues, I feel that as I've grown in Sikhi, as I've met, you know, um, had positive influences in my life through the Sangat uh, that I've met, um, those issues have become irrelevant for me. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, 10, 15 years ago, those issues were very exciting. Yeah. You know, it would have been very exciting and uh, to debate is, is mm-hmm. you know, can you eat meat in Sikhi? And now for me, it's that, you know, I've met, you know, so many different Vidwans uh, and had so many good Sangat and all that that I can understand people's perspectives. I know where I stand, uh, but I recognize that for me, the main thing in Sikhi is, is Seva Simran Bhakti, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and working for the betterment of the Panth. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that's what Sikhi is to me. That's what I focus on. And I feel that now I can, better than a lot of young people, put random things I see on the internet into context. Yep. But I do worry how that impacts people that can't put it into context yet, but think they can because, mm-hmm. you know, the... Um, just because of the dangers of the internet and so on. Bit of a rambling answer, but hope you get what I mean. I wanted to build on that too. Like the the focus, I think, is a huge part. Like it's so easy to get caught up in a web mm-hmm. and it's so easy to go down rabbit holes on Twitter and spend hours yeah. and hours and not really getting much out of it. Mm-hmm. In fact, getting more frustrated by it. Yep. Um, so I think having a focus, having a a key of what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, for some people that might be a certain part in Sikhi, like for example, it might be going into Gathkamo or it might be doing yeah. Gathkamo, right? Whatever, whatever it is for you, I think you got to build that love, like build, mm-hmm. build your own love and build your own Sikhi. And, and like Gajivan said, if you can build on like doing Santhya and doing other things that will help grow your Sikhi, yeah. you'd at least be able to decipher between the things you see online and try to build that context. Yeah. Uh, and I think without that, it's a struggle because once you feel like you know everything, <laughs> you're in a losing spot yeah. um, because you, you're not in a position to uh, learn or want to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we always got to have that understanding that we don't know everything and yeah. uh, try building on that as well. Yeah, I think that really speaks to the importance of having an astad or a teacher 
I think the self-learning, the detriment of it, especially in Sikhi, is you lose out on a lot of the context that you've mentioned. For example, you mentioned that you like listening to stories and arts may not come as easily, but every Shabd and Gurbani has Uthanka. They have a story behind it or a context in which the Bani came. Um, but that's something that I can say in my generation is something we pride ourselves on as being quote-unquote self-taught. And part of that is initiated by social media because those types of people are put on pedestal, the self-built millionaires, the self-taught experts in X, Y, and Z. But at the end of the day, there is a sense of humility surrendering yourself to an astad, um, and being able to accept their knowledge and wanting to be able to learn. Moving a little bit forward yeah, into... Just to, sorry, just to touch on that, um, I would say that's, yeah, that's the most important thing for me. Yeah. Having having an astad, we we undermine that nowadays. I see a lot of people say, "Oh, just you know, just buy a steak from, you know, Sikhvarasa, yeah. and you can have a poti, and you can just learn everything yourself." Yeah. It's not the case, you know. You've had a teacher every step of your life. Yep. Uh, when you were a child, uh, your parents were your teachers, mm-hmm. and in many cases, they still are your teachers. Yeah, yeah. even uh, you know when you grow into your teenage years and your adult years, um, you had teachers. From kindergarten to grade 12, um, you know, that taught you in school, uh, everything from English to math to science to, uh, you know, physical education. You learn from somebody. Um, You went to university or college. You learn from somebody. Um, If you didn't go to university or college, um, you know, you went into a different type of, let's say you became an entrepreneur. You likely had mentors Mm -hmm. um, that helped you with your startup or, you know, taught you things on that path. If you went into the trades, you did an apprenticeship. Yep. If you became a lawyer, you had to you had to article with someone. Even after she talked to lawyers, even after you article with somebody, you still feel that there's so much that you don't know. Mm-hmm. And for years and years and years, you will have that feeling, yep. you know, until, you, you know, even senior lawyers at times um, have to ask somebody a question. If we apply the teacher logic to everything else in our lives, yep. the mentorship aspect, every aspect of our lives, why is it that with Sikhi, um, the biggest, uh, you know, the, the greatest treasure chest that we have, yep. we feel that it can be self-taught. Yep. And then after a little bit of research online or, you know, reading some things, you know, that you found on Google, that we now feel that we can go on Instagram and make videos and and uh, get yep. involved in controversies and so on. So have an astad uh, for Sikhi, but having a mentor is, is important in every aspect of your life. Yep. So you're saying if there's one gap, like you said, you know, I said, be humble about it, mm-hmm. uh, have respect. And uh, if you if you really want to dig into Sikhi, find an astad. I will end up this kind of you know off topic, but finding an astad, the right astad, can also be a challenge sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, that but that just comes. Um, look, and sometimes you may outgrow an astad. Yeah. But even when you outgrow an astad, sometimes you should still have respect uh, for the person who taught you at that initial stage. If, for example. You know, your grade five teacher could only teach you up to a certain point, mm-hmm. you know, but that doesn't mean you don't uh, respect your old, you know, your teacher or your mom yeah. or your dad can only teach you of Sikhi, about Sikhi up to a certain level based off their experiences and their knowledge. Yeah. That doesn't mean that when you find a Santya Ustad or uh, an Ustad to teach you about, you know, Suraj Prakash, yeah. that you're not going to start uh, disrespecting your parents, right? Mm-hmm. So maintaining that respect in life is very, uh, very important too. Yeah. Uh, the more respect you give, in my view, the more excel, the more you will excel mm-hmm. in Sikhi. How important it is. We've, we've talked a little bit about different Sampadama, different Jathibandi having different views, Mariadas. Do you think it's important to find like-minded people or in an organization like Experience Sikhi where we have a diverse set of people with differing um, upbringings and we still work very well together? Why is it important to have this sense of acceptance amongst six, amongst the people you grow up with, amongst the people you then work with in the community context, for example. Can you rephrase your question? Yes. So what I mean by that is the Panth is very diverse. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we get stuck in these little bubbles. But we as an organization have grown out of that, right? That we've come together, we've collected different Jatibandia in, in the Prachadiks we call for camp. In the, our group itself, we have a lot of different affiliations, we could say. Why is it important to have this diversity? Look, in my view, um, I would say in, in, two, in two ways, right? There will always be people that who you identify with more. 
Yeah. And in my view, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. You know, if you grew up, uh, for example, if you're very inspired by um, uh, the Saab or by the EKJ or by Nehans mm-hmm. and being involved in that Jathe um, Bandi, uh, that organization helps you grow in your Sikhi. Um, and, you know, you've decided that these are the views that align with, you know, that best vibe with you mm-hmm. and are helping you grow in your Sikhi. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, we shouldn't shy away uh, from the Jathe Bandis in our Panth. All Jathe Bandis have contributed many great things uh, to our to our Panth. But we have to recognize that in the in the greater context, um, we shouldn't get caught in bubbles. In the greater context, I mean that there's many things that the Panth needs. Uh, many challenges that the Panth faces, that if you operate in a silo, mm-hmm. if you act as a lone wolf, either as an individual or just with your Jathe Bandi, you can only get so far, yep. all right? Uh, that, uh, you know, once you, you realize that um, when you're targeting, uh, you're, you're, you're tackling a challenge, trying to grow as a community, um, you know, trying to get to the next level as a community, whatever, whatever phraseology you want to use, yeah. Um, Having that respect across Jathe Bandinga and being able to put aside minor differences is crucial. Mm-hmm. And if we're unable to do so, we can only get so far. Yeah. Right? And I, I feel that um, that that is something that I feel that our community is overcoming. We still see the challenges sometimes of, you know, that uh, bubble mentality. Mm-hmm. But for example, the Kasan Mojta, so many uh, Sikhs from all walks of life. Yeah. Um, you know, from different Sampradama, different uh, Venehangs were there, uh, Saji 36 were there, um, you know, all kinds of people that weren't into Sikhi that much, but, you know, still came from Sikh backgrounds. Everybody was there working together towards a common goal. Yep. You had that. Um, now you have the, the Bandi Singhs Murta. Mm-hmm. Again, you have many different people, many different backgrounds coming together. Mm-hmm. So I do feel that the Panth, it's not as, the situation is not as bleak sometimes as we make it out to be. Mm-hmm. People do work together. But sometimes it's a challenge that even I personally have had to really work hard to overcome in my personal life, where you're willing to overcome or overlook sometimes the, you know, and really tell yourself that if you have some minor differences with somebody, that doesn't mean that they're a bad person. They're still a great person. And, you know, having them in your life is of value and, you know, you should give them the respect that they deserve. Yeah. And working together, you can get much further. And I think that that's the logic that applies to experience Sikhi. Mm-hmm. If we said we're not working with certain individuals of certain backgrounds, yeah. well, that would be a huge loss to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the knowledge that they bring to the table, yeah. uh, they bring in certain perspectives. If we want to, as an organization, serve all aspects, uh, different demographics in our community, then we need to be um, uh, need to understand where those. Uh, people are coming from yep. where those different demographics are coming from yep. what their perspective is what their challenges are mm-hmm. so that's why uh, having them there is very important not just to serve the community to the best uh, in the best possible way uh, but also i feel that for example with experience key if if we weren't in, if we didn't know any texalis yeah. we probably never would have gotten to know gani bhagwan singhji huge loss to our camp we wouldn't have got to know gani gurdev singhji from the uk who who passed away recently who was something about the singhji student if we hadn't uh, known nehangs we never would have gotten to know gani sher singhji mm-hmm. so on and so forth so it's um, it's you know if, if we had if we had said no we're experience key and we had never reached out to Basis of Sikhi, yep. uh, we never would have gotten Opai Jagrad Singh mm-hmm. and all the and then his network and all the Gursex uh, of basically Sikhi that do Prachar now that were inspired by him and so on, never mm-hmm. would have gotten to know them either. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge loss on an individual level, on an organization level, on a Panthic level if we don't look past our personal uh, views and Mariadas. And uh, you can live your life however you want, but let's just look past it. And I think sometimes we overlook the fact that as well as that some of these Jathe Bandis. Or Sampradas were around at the time of the gurus. And if the gurus recognized all of them mm-hmm. and recognized that, you know, not everybody's going to be the same or on the same path, then who are we to judge? Mm-hmm. At the same time, if you look at mm-hmm. some of the Mahapurks of these uh, different Jathabandiya, they all got along. Yeah. They all came, you know, together for a certain cause mm-hmm. at one time or another. And uh, they all made sacrifices. Yep. And uh, we can't overlook that either. Mm-hmm. So to say that you know one path is the way or one Jathamani has it right, um, the other doesn't. I think that's a that's a negative outlook, especially in terms of a of a Sikh, because you can take something from every Jathamani. You can learn from anybody. Um, 
and uh, no, just building off a Gurdjieff point, if if we did not, you know, accept everybody or be open to, you know, uh, working with, you know, individuals from different Jatamandis, I don't think ES would be an organization or be at the level that it is today. Like, I think Samagam was a prime example of that. Yep. Right? We have, you know, individuals from various textiles and the Hang Jatay Bandiya, you know, and, you know, other, other you know, Jatay Bandiya and Sampradayas as well that have come out not only as you know, Pracharaks or as Ragis and so on and so forth. But uh, individuals who help us out, uh, who take part in the Sangat, who take part in different sevas. Yeah. Right? We're we're indebted to those individuals as well. Mm-hmm. That was part one of today's episode. If you enjoy what you're hearing, you can continue listening into part two, which will be starting right after this. You've been listening to the Experience Sikhi podcast. 